This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is a Tuesday night of Texas A&M week. That means it's time for some Tide Talk with Charlie Potter. Does an outstanding job covering the Alabama Crimson Tide Force at BamaOnline.com. I'm Travis Ryer, senior analyst for the website, uh, and a lot to get into as we move throughout Texas A&M week. The Crimson Tide uh, in a full pad practice on Tuesday. We'll talk about that as we move throughout the segment. Uh, but Charlie, you know we've got we are immersed in Major League Baseball. Uh, playoffs right now and a big one on Wednesday afternoon evening I guess depending on which time zone you're in for our Atlanta Braves in a game five with those St. Louis Cardinals how do you feel about it on the concernometer I guess we could call it do you feel good about this game on Wednesday for the Braves Charlie I don't feel that great um you know <laughs> Fulte pitched well earlier in the series that's that's a bright spot but um, you know, the, the veterans have been slipping. I know, you know, Freddie Freeman's been dealing with an injury. He hasn't played well in this series. And, um, you know, that kind of reared its head in, in game, uh, in game four, um, guys like Nick Markakis, Josh Donaldson, you know, Brian McCann, when he plays, they just, they just haven't been up to snuff. Um, you know, the young guys have played really well. Ronald Acuna Jr. continue to get some base, but, you, know, you look at you know your three, four, and five hitters. They're not able to get him home, and um, you know that's been an issue. Um, you know you've had productive play from guys like Ozzy Albies, Dansby Swanson, uh, Adam Duvall's been great off the bench. But you need your guys that have been there to act like they've been there, and hopefully that'll come to fruition in Game Five, or else you know the Braves are gonna you know, have a, a first round exit. Yeah, if it's gonna happen even beyond this round, let's say the Braves get through Game Five. Uh, with Fulte on the mound, uh, at some point, those, as you said, the leaders of this club, uh, the veterans of this club, going to have to step their games up uh, a notch or two, or it will be uh, it'll be curtains in the NLCS, regardless of who the opponent is. But uh, should be a lot of fun on Wednesday afternoon at SunTrust Park. Uh, we're talking a lot of college football right now. The Alabama Crimson Tide coming off its first of two bye weeks. Uh, what do you think, Charlie, to open this week? Were you, were you a little surprised by the Chris Owens news? Let's let's start there, and then we'll kind of move into Tuesday and, and what we saw during the media viewing periods uh, during that workout on Tuesday. But the Chris Owens news, did that, did that surprise you a little bit? Not really. Um, maybe that he's questionable in the way that Nick Saban kind of sounded and what we've seen in practice. They might not play in this game. That's a little surprising, but you go back to the bye week and um, you know, he's a guy that didn't do a lot Tuesday and Wednesday when we were out there. And then I don't even think he was out there at all on Thursday. And they, they held a lot of guys back. Anybody that was kind of nicked up, banged up, dealing some kind of injury. Uh, they were limited. Some guys weren't even at practice some days. 
you know, DJ Dale was kind of hit or miss if he was going to be on the field. You know, both Chris Owens and Jedrick Wills didn't do a lot. Uh, Henry Ruggs, Terrell Lewis, Major Tennyson. Those are just some of the guys off the top of my head that looked limited at some point uh, in time in the bye week. But, you know, Chris Owens was pretty consistently not doing anything. And, um, you know, to hear that he's dealing with what Nick Saban called a little knee problem, um, you know, that explains explains what it was but to hear that he's going to be day-to-day and, and even questionable for this game um you know that's a that's a bit of concern for an offensive line that's continuing to, to progress and um going into a hostile environment like Kyle Field it's going to be pretty loud on Saturday um you know throwing in a, a new center at least one that hasn't been working with this group in the last several weeks that uh, could be an issue um but you know we'll see I think that Hearing that he's dealing with an injury, though, and at least knowing what it is, it's not that surprising. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out tomorrow being Wednesday. That's always the telltale day for guys and their injuries. If he's not doing anything Wednesday, then I wouldn't anticipate him playing, and I think we'd see a guy like Landon Dickerson start the game at A&M. Yeah, Landon Dickerson, a revelation for this offensive line. I mean, you felt pretty good about the interior, especially for Alabama, even with Alex Leatherwood kicking out a tackle. Uh, and even with the understanding for the first four games of the season that Deontay Brown uh, was going to be sidelined due to that NCAA suspension, you still thought, well, they've got some guys there in that interior. But man, I, you know, I thought Landon Dickerson would be a big part of this group uh, as a graduate transfer and a really talented guy who had just really uh, sustained and, and kind of endured injuries in Tallahassee as much as anything. Uh, but I didn't envision Charlie this much being placed on Landon Dickerson, probably as much as for any reason that, uh, he, he's, he is extremely new to the program. He's not new to college football as we know. Uh, but this, this isn't a guy who's been here six or seven months, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I, at first when I heard that he was a guy that they were going to bring in, it was a bit of a head scratcher because, you went into the um, the off season after last year, and you kind of had an idea how the offensive line was going to shake out. I think we got a pretty good preview uh, back in the spring. Uh, I remember you know talking with Ross Pierce Baker at the uh, the Senior Bowl and asking for his prediction on the offensive line, and it matched up with what a lot of us were saying. You had you know Leatherwood and, and Wills at the tackles. You had Chris Owen stepping in at center, and then you had Emil Ekiord and. Uh, Matt Womack at guard, and you felt pretty good about that group. Matt Womack's played a lot of football here. Uh, he's kind of moved into to guard and worked a little bit there and, and looked pretty good. Emil Ekior was a guy that the coaches felt really high about. But now you fast forward to at least before the bye week, and the guards are different. You have a true freshman and Evan Neal at left guard, and then you have Landon Dickerson at right guard. And Dickerson's been um, one of Alabama's best linemen. I think Jedrick Wills has played the best out of, out of anybody, but – uh, Landon Dickerson brings that nasty that a lot of guys talk about. He brings an attitude. Uh, you see it on the, in the clips on Twitter and everything like that. And I think the rest of his teammates feed off of that. And then they have become more and more aggressive. And I think that'll help them as they continue to try to establish the run. And, um, you know, with him moving over to center, I think they just feel good about what he brings to the table at any spot. He's obviously versatile. Uh, and I think that he can kind of handle – the pressure that's put on a center in a hostile environment like A&M. And so um, I think with what offensive line they can put out there on the field this Saturday, if Owens can't go with 
Neil at left guard, Dickerson at center, and Deontay Brown at, at right guard with what we've seen in practice. Um, yeah, that's a group that can go out there and, and eat up some yardage and try to, you know, eat up some clock like they've been trying to do and to control the game a little bit more. So, um, yeah, I mean, they have a lot of options. And I think Dickerson, though, with what he's been able to do has been a really bright spot for this team. And I think more than anything, him being able to stay on the field and be healthy has been a revelation for this offensive line. Yeah, I agree. And I guess we'll talk some pros and cons if it plays out that way for Saturday in College Station. If, in fact, Landon Dickerson is the guy at center, which you got to think that means Deontay Brown at right guard, Evan Neal, the true freshman in place uh, at left guard. I, I think if there's a drawback to that, there's probably a couple. Um what they've been able to do with Landon Dickerson as a guard is athleticism. You look at the guy and you think he's going to be kind of like Deontay Brown, I guess you could say this about, and Evan Neal. You look at these guys and they're mammoth uh, in size, and they look like the, the prototype road grader types. But Landon Dickerson, as the season has worn on at the guard position, you've seen them get pretty creative uh, with their play design as a direct result of his skill set. He can pull, he can do some different things in the run game from that perspective. Even in pass protection, we've seen them do some things with him from that regard. Uh, you know, getting out in front of the quick passing game out on the perimeter. Uh, can can Deontay Brown, can he do those things? Have we seen him do enough of those things to think that in terms of, uh, of, of that aspect uh, of what Landon Dickerson brings to that one guard position, well, you think there's a drop off there or is, or is Deontay Brown kind of sneaky athletic? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of complicated. I do think that Deontay is, is a great athlete. I think that's kind of a, a thing that he has where a lot of people don't know that. Um, he's a gigantic human being and he's six foot five, 330 plus pounds. And, but he's one of the more athletic linemen on this team. Um, and I think he's capable of doing that. I think he's showed that in the past. The difference, in, at least this week, is is he in good enough shape to be able to do that on a consistent basis and sustain that over a 60-minute yeah. game? That's the that's the big question for me because you know whenever he was eligible, um, you know, to play uh, two weeks ago in the Ole Miss game, uh, we only saw him for a couple of drives at left guard and a couple of drives at right guard, and um, you know that's something that's always been a concern with Deontay is his conditioning and you know, is he if he's able to sustain that level of play over the course of an entire game and um, you know Nick Saban revealed on his radio show that Deontay kind of dealt with an injury um, earlier in the season we kind of saw him a little bit limited alongside a guy like uh, Hunter Brandon. He didn't do anything for a little bit, and um, you know that held him out. But he's been able to do some second team reps and has been there with the team. And if he's able to do it, I don't think it's much of a drop off. Um, you know, he has that athleticism. You know, talking with a guy like Cole Kublik, he, he says he's probably the most athletic guy on, on that offensive line. I think that says a lot because Deontay's you know clearly one of the biggest players there. So. If he can do it and sustain that over the course of the game, then there won't be a drop-off. It's just we haven't seen him be able to do that yet, so I guess that just remains to be seen. Yeah, stamina. Uh, you wonder about that a little bit with Deontay. Um, you know, the good thing about this offense, though, they don't stay on the field long, right, Charlie? <laughs> it seems like the drives are a minute and a half at the most. So, uh, you know, if they only run 60, 65 plays – uh, it may not be asking too much for Deont from Deontay 
from that perspective. I guess you also wonder too, right? As you said earlier, and it's a good point. This is a road situation, and I, I don't know how long that crowd at Kyle Field will be into Saturday's game. That'll be largely up to the the Aggies themselves on the field. Um, but that can present some challenges as well, and it also goes back to uh, concerns perhaps of the comfort level in general for Landon Dickerson at center. And it's just not as easy as saying, well, just move him from right guard to center. Well, you've got to snap, you've got to snap, and then get to your responsibility. So much of this offense is shotgun-based, so it starts with the snap, um, the potential uh, for miscommunication because of crowd noise and making calls and checks. Uh, again, there's a, there's a lot potentially on Landon Dickerson. Uh, but I guess at this point, it, it looks pretty obvious, right, during media viewing periods that this coaching staff has a lot of trust in this guy. Yeah, I think they do. And uh, as far as the snap goes, you know, Tua talked about that a little bit today whenever he came up for interviews and, you know, he had a, a long – uh, answer about you know being under center and things like that and um, kind of how long it takes for a, a quarterback and a center to get used to each other and, and their rhythm and uh, um, he also pointed out though that it's a lot easier to shotgun and I anticipate that we'll probably see a lot of that with them being on the road um, you know it, it starts with you know clapping they have some other cadence wise things that they do um, and I know that you know like a lot of other teams they have the guard tell the center when to snap the ball. And that's usually Landon Dickerson's responsibility. So that's something else that's kind of um, thrown into all this mix, but I think he's capable of doing it. Um, you know, he's a guy that doesn't really get flustered much. He does more of the flustering. So I think if they're able to communicate and, um, you know, get things to uh, him clearly and he's able to communicate the rest of that, the offensive line, I think they'll be okay. They might run into some bumps early, but, They've been pretty good in adjustments, and um, you know I think he played pretty well in week two whenever he filled in for for Chris Owens, and uh, I think that uh, in and of itself, I know it was a home game against a New Mexico State team where you know the environment wasn't that raucous for Alabama's offense, but I think that'll help him moving forward. Yeah, that's where having that game uh, and that start could prove invaluable uh, for this week when you you head on the road and you're right when you talk about cadences and things like that on the road at South Carolina look like Lane and Dickerson would look back to Tua Tua would give the signal and then it would be Dickerson that would signal to Chris Owens which frees up the center in that scenario to check out the front and the seven the front seven and things like that and be able to make those calls and those checks instead of trying to you know wait for the the snap signal from the quarterback himself. Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer here uh, with Tide Talk, part of the Built by Bama online podcast series. You can subscribe to the podcast anywhere you consume these type of broadcasts. We'd certainly encourage you to subscribe to us, perhaps leave us a review while you're there. Let's talk some defense uh, while we're at it, Charlie, in advance of this matchup with Texas A&M on Saturday afternoon. That's a CBS kickoff right around 2.30. Is it 2.39, Charlie, technically? 2.39, 2.40. They actually put total leather, I guess, in these in these CBS games. But, um, you know, kind of the anticipation, especially on the heels of what we saw Ole Miss do offensively uh, against the Alabama defense in rushing for nearly 300 yards and a quarterback in uh, – 
you know, John Rice Plumley that, that rushed for over 100 is that Texas A&M in all likelihood will dial up the quarterback runs for Kellen Mond. And I guess when we walked out to practice on Tuesday, we got pretty much an eyeful and I guess you could say an earful of that from Brian Baker and Sal Sanceri with their guys. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, I just love hearing from Sal at practice. Uh, it's it's always entertaining. But, yeah, I think um, they're not going to get caught off guard by some quarterback runs this week. That's been a point of emphasis. And Monday's interviews, uh, interviews before practice today, and, yeah, you're right, as soon as we walked on the, the practice field, it almost felt like we were seeing something we shouldn't see because, um, you know, it's very routine and the practice viewing and the interviews and everything that Alabama does, uh, you're not usually – surprised i guess um you know, when you go to to media opportunities and you know as soon as we walked on the field you anticipate just seeing south sincere and outside linebackers right there outside the glass of the the, the indoor weight room but uh, it was the outside linebackers and the defensive linemen and they were working on their nickel and dime fronts and yeah they were they were getting after the quarterback and uh you're know, trying to contain him and you know, i wrote about that just a, a few minutes before he walked on the practice field about how containing kellen mon is key for this defense in this game because you know, they're coming off a performance where john rice Plumley had a lot of success um you know xavier mckinney was um you know talking about Plumlee and how he wasn't really expecting him to to be what he was and how he played just because you know he's a younger player they hadn't seen much from him but um you know they think he has a bright future and like i said i think that was a bit of a wake-up call you know for this defense you mentioned it they almost gave up 300 rushing yards it was 279 and that's i believe the most they've given up since the 2014 sugar bowl against ohio state when when zeke and the buckeyes you know ran all over them in the postseason but um you know kellen mond is definitely on their radar yeah he's a guy that hasn't ran it a lot this year um you know he only has 110 yards on 37 attempts but he scored twice and you know he's a guy though that um, you know, he has scored a rushing touchdown, I'm trying to remember the stat correctly, a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown in the same game 10 times in his career, which is more than any other starting quarterback in the SEC at their current institution. So basically all the quarterbacks not named Jalen Hurts, that's what that stat means. But uh, he has he has seen success running the football, and I think that they're very cognizant of that and trying to limit um, you know some of the plays they've given up this year and in the past against guys like Kellen Mond. I think last year he had nearly 100 yards on the ground, and that's almost his career high. Uh, so yeah, I, I think containing the QB and limiting some of those runs on the perimeter uh, is a key point of emphasis for this defense, and we saw as much from the practice field today. Yeah, and it was interesting, right? The last couple of days, you know, we've talked so much about true freshmen impacting this defense uh, from a starter standpoint, from that perspective. Uh, but when looking at that defensive line Monday and Tuesday, it looks like another true freshman making a push up front for this Alabama defense. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, we've seen Raekwon Davis and DJ Dale, um, you know, back with the first team. You know, Raekwon kind of dealt bit of a shoulder injury in the Ole Miss game, but he's going to be okay. Uh, DJ Dale kind of looks like the bionic man out there. He has two knee braces and an elbow brace, and both of his wrists are pretty taped, are pretty well taped up too. So um, he's he's able to move and going through drills well. But the the big surprise there is beside him is is another true freshman in Byron Young, and you know he's played in a lot of games. 
Uh, he's been one of the first guys off the bench. A lot of the time seeing the field in the first quarter. And, uh, you know, he and both of these practices this week have been you know, right beside Davis and Dale uh, with what looks like the first team defensive line. Um, I'm sure Nick Saban is going to get asked about that tomorrow, either on the SEC teleconference or during his post-practice press conference. But, um, you know, he's a guy that I think has played pretty well for Alabama. Um, you know, in terms of just, you know, what's going on for the change, um, you know, Justin Boyby has been going through drills. He took part in those nickel and dime drills that I watched. Uh, you look at the Dom Rabbits front that Alabama put out there. The first group was um, Anthony Jennings and Terrell Lewis on the end, and then Davis and, and Byron Young. And then the next group had Christian Barmore and Justin Boyby as your interior lineman. So um, I, I think that he's good to go. You know, he dealt with that foot injury uh, earlier in the season, and, you know, that could always flare up those, those feet. Um, you know, you're always on them. You, you, the only way that you can really heal those those foot injuries is if you uh, you know, stay off of them, get some rest, and that clearly hasn't been able or been something Alabama has been able to do. You know, the bye week practice is basically a camp practice, but that's going to be something interesting. You know, going forward, watching in pregame warmups, seeing how it develops. I think both players will play, uh, but maybe they feel better about Byron Young. You know, getting the pass rush, getting in the pocket, disrupting things, and getting him on the ground and not letting him escape and, and playing more contained. You know, who knows? I'm sure we'll hear more about that tomorrow. But that's been really the, the biggest revelation, the changes on the defensive and offensive lines, and uh, it's given us plenty to look at this week. Yeah, Kellen Mond, you gotta he's you got to make him beat you from the, the pocket if you, if you can help it. He does have an experienced receiving core, a group that's been with him pretty much uh, each of the last three years, but even with that being said and understood, uh, you don't want dual threat Kellen Mond to beat you. If pocket Kellen Mond beat you, you can sort of live with that. And you know, with Alabama having what it has at the corner positions and Trayvon Diggs and Patrick Sertan the uh, second, should be able to lock a couple of those guys up to the point where you know Mond is sort of forced into using his legs more. I think Jimbo Fisher is probably going to be more open to that than he was maybe in the first couple of three games. Uh, most recently, we saw Mond with 14 carries a season high against Arkansas a couple Saturdays ago in Arlington, Texas. Um, Charlie, you mentioned Xavier McKinney there. A uh, good segue to sort of tease or touch on uh, an in-depth feature you have coming up on the uh, junior safety. Looking forward to that, man. Yeah, I am too. It's always a lot of fun whenever you kind of get outside the room and, and do something that's exciting and maybe a bit different. And, uh, you know, this is something I heard about in the preseason. And um, it's, it's nothing just, you know, groundbreaking, but it's more you know, getting to know the player behind the helmet. And uh, I think with these guys, so many people see what they do on the field, know that, you know, their recruiting stories and everything like that. But Knowing them better as people was always interesting to me, and uh, the human element, I think, is the, the best thing about sports. And so you know, it's just uh, learning more about Xavier McKinney and you know who he is as a person. Uh, he's a very creative and, and different guy, and looking to really dive into that. And, yeah, I'm going to be finishing that up tonight, posting on the website tomorrow. And it's always fun to have a story that you're looking forward to writing and, and telling. And you know, I'm really appreciative of being able to sit down with X and, talk with him uh, during the bye week and, and chat with his brother as well so yeah that was one that i think uh bol subscribers and just alabama fans in general enjoy because i know i've had a lot of fun putting it together 
Yeah, so you got that to look forward to at BamaOnline.com coming up in the next day or so. As always, we're going to have continuing coverage. Uh, we will update basketball as needed. Unfortunately, our latest update involving Nate Oates and his first team at the Capstone, not so good once again, Charlie. More knee injury news. Man, when you talk about between football uh, and men's basketball so far this sports calendar year, not a great start to 2019-2020 from a lower extremities uh, perspective. And the latest to fall victim to that, Jawan Gary, the very talented true freshman. And now we're talking about a situation, regardless of position, where the numbers become a little bit of an issue and I guess puts additional emphasis on this Javon Quinterly situation, right? Yeah, it does. And, um, you know, with Gary, yeah, he suffered a, an ACL in practice, and that's going to keep him out for the entire season. Um, you know, he went, he underwent successful surgery on Thursday and is expected to make a full recovery. They announced that on Friday. Um, you know, as expected, um, you know, Dr. Kane up at Andrew Sports Medicine performed surgery in Birmingham. And, you know, NATO's put out a a quote and you know talked about how you know, it's tough to see this happen to Juwan and how he has a bright future and all that and uh, you know they're um, looking forward to getting him back so he can contribute next season but it is a big blow you know they have both Gary and uh, James Rojas out with ACL injuries you know that's two forwards uh, just be before the season even starts and it's very similar to football because you had uh, Dylan Moses and Josh McMillan two players in the same position uh, suffer what could be season-ending knee injuries and so um you know tough break there and yeah the numbers it it does get interesting uh they were already going to have a roster that had plenty of newcomers contributing and um you know we'll see what happens with you know Javon Quinterly um you know Nate Oates has said that they've done everything they can do they've submitted everything they're just waiting on the NCAA and, and a lot of times they like to take their sweet time with things so um basketball season's coming up they're gonna have a, an exhibition game against Georgia Tech um, you know, for charity, and we'll get to see our first look and, you know, see what kind of rotation, you know, he has, and, uh, you know, the numbers now are a little smaller, and um, I think that they have some some newcomers they feel good about, guys like Jaden Shackelford and, and guys like that, so, but it is always tough to hear about a guy that, that gets injured before he even steps in the court, and, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be able to make a quick recovery. There you go, Charlie Potter joining me, Travis Ryer here on Tide Talk, a Tuesday night edition of Tide Talk. We typically do that each and every week here on the Built by Bama online podcast. You heard Charlie talk about that Xavier McKinney feature going up on the website Wednesday. You're going to be you're going to want to be on the lookout for that. And we're obviously going to have continuing coverage of busy Wednesday. Nick Saban both with the SEC coaches teleconference. And then he'll meet with the assembled media once again over at the Malmore Athletic Facility following Wednesday's practice. And then we'll take you right up into kickoff for Saturday's game between the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Texas A&M Aggies. Charlie, appreciate it as always. Safe travels out to uh, Aggie land as you uh, cover that for us and uh, do a great job. Appreciate it, my man. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Charlie Potter. Beat reporter, team insider for BamaOnline.com. We thank you again for joining us here on the podcast. Again, keep it locked to BamaOnline.com for continuing coverage for all things Alabama Crimson Tide. 
Travis Ryer, wishing you a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you again real soon right here on the Built by Bama online podcast.